listening to the Advanced Leadership Podcast from the South Carolina Baptist Convention. Now, here's your host, Lee Clamp. Well, welcome to another edition of the Advanced Leadership Podcast. I'm Lee Clamp. I'm your host here uh, with some incredible leaders um, week by week that you're able to kind of tune into and get inside their head and their heart. We're excited about the leader we have today, uh, the Honorable Dr. Travis Agnews mm-hmm. in the house. Well, I'm just honored to be next to you, Lee Clamp, because as the Bishop of South Carolina, I'm just thankful for all that you do for me and for so many others. So God, I, I God just, bless you. I just appreciate you accepting the invitation so I can feel, you know, valued. Well, that's what I wake up in the morning hoping that I can do every day, honestly. So I'm, I'm glad to be able to do that today. I mean, I, I, we, get ready to be inspired, convicted, mm. Mm. Um, challenged. Come on. If we're going to do it, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Travis, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Tell me about your fam. Oh, uh, see, married to Amanda, my high school sweetheart. We've been married uh, this summer will be 18 years. We've got three wonderful kiddos, Obadiah, who's 13, Eli, who's 13, and Gloria, who's 9. So, uh just loving life, man. Wow. Wow. Now, tell me where you serve. Uh, serve at Rocky Creek in Greenville, South Carolina, on the wonderful, illustrious Woodruff Road, um, where it's, um, yeah, it's an awesome place to be able to serve. And uh, served there for uh, five years this week, actually. And before that, uh, served at my home church, Northside Baptist in Greenwood, South Carolina. Served there for 14 years. Uh, came on right out of college as the college and missions pastor. Then they moved me to worship pastor, and then before uh, I left, I was worship and family pastor, which meant I just did a lot of things, and they were trying to figure out something I could do well to keep me on staff. So, And just trying to give you multiple jobs just to, just yeah. to, just to, for you to earn your keep. That's right. Something that I could do decent, and we were still looking. So, so born and raised in South Carolina in the Metroplex of Greenwood. Absolutely. Yep, yep. And then you went to North Greenwood University. Let's give a little shout-out to Dr. Gene Fan up there at NGU, doing incredible work, raising our future pastors and planters along the way. I mean, you you had the opportunity to go to NGU oh, yeah. and uh, yeah. and be around these up top shelf, top shelf Christian leaders, mm-hmm. and um, and just so encouraged by that. And uh, and and these guys do the right. I mean, they they what do they they pray twenty four seven. I mean, I mean tell us about the experience there. Yeah. So I mean, I went. Um, I was there ninety nine to 03, and it was the uh, four year incredible spiritual um, environment that I think was the first place where people really pushed me, my age or older, to read the Bible, to think about discipleship, to go on missions. It was just a, it was just a different environment. You know, probably the most four formative years of my life, spiritually speaking, uh, just life changed, just crazy. And so I, I think about who I am today. So much of who I am, so much that was just impacted over those four years. Just the, the small things, the big things, everything about it was was impacted during that time. So that's awesome, and and I'm sure you behaved yourself while you were there. Yes, anything w- happened that we need to talk about? Well, get off your chest. No, I mean I was thinking, like you know, I had a propensity to pranks every so often, but I was I was you know recently I was I just actually met with a, a missionary friend of mine that um. When I was finishing up my sophomore year or getting ready to finish my sophomore year, I wanted to go on a mission trip um, to Southeast Asia. 
and uh, some of the guys in my dorm were praying about going, and so I just signed them up instead of letting them wait to like come up with an excuse. I just signed up their applications. Yes, you did. And so my roommate actually <laughs> called and said, hey, they said, I and me says that I'm going to Southeast Asia this summer. You know anything about this? I said, the Lord must be speaking, bro. So we uh, we took a team there and, um, and took about 10 guys from the dorm, and we were actually supposed to be smuggling Jesus films and Bibles in those areas, and uh, just pretty pretty cool. I just got to meet with the missionary once again. I haven't seen him in 21 years and, until last week, and we were re- reliving what happened. But crazy story. You want a crazy story? Yeah. Like you want it? So um, we were actually apprehended by the police. Half of our team were while we were there. Um, and in the back of the police car on the way to the police station, I'm like a 19-year-old kid leading this team, and I've, I've literally signed everybody's application forms. You know, if I make it out alive, all their moms are going to kill me. And um, and the missionary that's with us, I said, can we get in serious trouble where we're at? He's like, yeah. I said, why? He goes, well, if they find the map that we, you know, have tracked where all the checkpoints are and where we can smuggle the Bibles. And I said, well, uh, can you tell me like, where the map is? He's like, yes, yeah, in my pocket right now. And I was like, that's great. And he said, what do you want to do? And so I just started coughing really bad in the back and I grabbed the map and we tore it up and started eating it in the back of the police car. And um, that's the reason why I think that and God's providence and a guy that seemed to be like, um, motivated by the Holy Spirit, or literally just moved by God, that I'm still here today. So, yes. for that, so like that's what we need, man. We need more <laughs> college students eating a map to try to keep people from from dying on the mission field. Yeah, it's 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 incredible. You know, it's, it's I, I, some people ask, is, is it still digesting? I'm really not sure, but I do know this <laughs> that like I've been at IMB conferences before where somebody would share that story about a bunch of college students who ate a map and whatnot. I'm like. That sounds awesome. <laughs> and so uh, anyway, so finally got to relive that with my my buddy uh, from yeah years ago, just last week. So wow, that is, that is awesome. That's yeah. incredible. When I think about uh, Rocky Creek, where you mm. are now, uh, the the first thing that comes to mind is relational disciple making. Mm. Now you followed a uh, good friend um, Ken Forrester, mm. uh, who kind of laid some groundwork there yep. at, at the church and. Um, Tell me about that journey since you've been there of taking it to the next level of um, of really being able to articulate how do we how do we make disciples of lost people? Yeah, I think that um, it it's amazing if we look at what's happened at the church the last five years. I mean, I, I cannot take credit for it. I say that, you know, what's happening there is because our people pray. They're taking discipleship seriously. And I really am walking behind an incredible leader and um, shepherd and, and Ken. Uh, he's been the biggest cheerleader I could ever imagine since I've been there. Um, but also just the spiritual temperature was just exactly where it needed to be. And um, I was not looking for another job, uh, but uh, Rocky Creek had, had reached out to me, and originally I told him no about two or three times. And they just kept you know, talking. So I finally just said, okay, let, let's sit down and talk. What What's going on? Where are you all hoping the church would go? And they said, well, we— we know that the Great Commission is our responsibility as a church. I was like, well, that's good. He said, we know we're supposed to make disciples. I said, that's awesome. And, and he said, but where we're kind of at right now is we feel like the next step is we know that we're supposed to make disciples, but I don't think everybody knows how. And um, and they said, we just need somebody to help us, you know, learn how to truly make disciples. Stop, you know, we, don't, we, we talk about it. We know it's our mission, but, like, how do we practically live it out? And, um, and so when I went home that night just praying, I thought, you know, uh, what I would love to be a part of a church just where we could lead and say, hey, let's let's not just talk about the Great Commission, but let's actually do it. Uh, and so that kind of just excited me about the possibility there. So when we think about this, how? Because a lot of times our, our, our pastors do a phenomenal work um, telling people they ought to. Mm. 
right, on Sunday yeah. mornings, and you, you're only unpacking, you know, 30, 45 minutes worth yeah. of sermon from the Word that it really talks about ought to, mm. and uh, to try to really get into the nuts and bolts of practical work with disciple-making, I mean, it just takes time. So um, unpack with me, like, uh, what are what are some um, things that a, a pastor or a planter when you're when you're trying to teach someone how to make another one, yeah, h- how how do you do that? Yeah, so um, I always go back to when I was at North Greenville. I had a couple of guys that were younger than me at college who came up and they asked me something that I had never asked anyone and had never been asked of me, and that was, "Hey, will you disciple me?" And I did like every Christian study major would do at the time. If somebody asked you to do something you didn't know how to do, you said, "Yeah, sure, uh, let's meet for breakfast on Thursday." Um, and so I remember those first couple of guys where I had never experienced what I was trying to figure out what to do. Um, but, uh, you know, you look at the life of Jesus and he's just incarnational and he grabs a few people together and shares everything he's got with them and expects them to go and do something with it. And so, um, I just, I just started just, you know, trying to disciple a couple of guys and, um, and, and it really just came down to where are you now? Uh, and what are the areas that we either need to strengthen, we need to work against, what do we need to start doing, what do we need to stop doing, and look at the specific person. Uh, and so so for that, I think even like at the church, it's I think a lot of times it's easy as a pastor to say, oh, we have a discipleship problem. Let me preach a six-week sermon series, and that's going to fix it. But we are, we are teaching discipleship in a way that's not uh, – any kind of way that you might can replicate because it's a, it's a pulpit. It's a few hundred people in a room, right? Versus if you're really going to make disciples, what you do is you get a few guys together and you pour into them everything you got and then say, now you go and turn and do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that and, and the church before um, I'm, I'm going to naturally bend towards preaching about discipleship. It's just kind of who I am as far as just what I guess my heart is. But before we ever did a sermon series on discipleship, before we came up with the program, I just got some guys like in my gospel group uh, at church, or I got some guys I would drive up to North Greenville and meet with them for breakfast, and I would just disciple them, you know, in the mornings and or over lunch or something like that. And so I think before you can ever say, "Hey, everybody, you need to do this," like you've got to be leading out by example. Who are the people that you are personally discipling right now uh, is is game changer because you have to lead by example in that. That's good. Um, I was reading uh, last couple of weeks these three teaching models. Mm-hmm. One instruction, which oh. we tend to do a lot of oh. instruction. Hey, here's what what you need to do. Sure. Uh, then there's the apprentice yep. um, method of learning, where you kind of come along beside me and you assist along the way, and uh, you apprentice me as I'm discipling someone else. You get to yeah. actually watch it oh. and actually take part in it. Yep. And then there's this idea of um, immersion, mm. which is you are immersed into a culture mm. where this activity is constantly happening. Yeah. And so you actually get it. Um, it's actually caught um, yeah. more than just taught. That's right. And so kind of what you're unpacking there when you when you say that I'm discipling someone else and then they go and do that with one someone else. Well, why don't you just give us like a typical a typical discipling time with someone else? Because sometimes people hear the word discipling yep. and they have in their mind, okay, I'm sitting with a person and they're telling me all their problems and yeah. I'm more of a counselor. Yeah. Some people may say it's just a Bible study and I'm going through the, the, new, the newest Lifeway curriculum and asking some questions. Like, w- What does a typical time, is there a structure to that? Is What's a typical time for you when you're saying you're discipling someone? Yeah, so I think it's great. Um, I think it depends on the person that the... the Elements will be kind of consistent, but the different things will uh, just depend on each individual. And I think that's what's 
kind of hard. Um, no matter what the size of a church is, we typically have shotgun approaches to ministry. Here's a sermon series on stewardship because all of y'all are horrible in your finances. Well, maybe, but there may be some people go, hey, I'm, I'm good in that. There's a lot of other stuff I've got going on. And I think the more that I shepherd people in our congregation, you realize that there are some people that are struggling with stuff that there will never, ever be a sermon series on it. There will never be an event. There will never be a Bible study dealing with their stuff. And so they need uh, a personal side. So so typically, when I'm discipling someone, I'm just going to get to know where they are in their spiritual journey right now. So are they new in the faith? What are some of the issues that maybe they do know or they don't know? What are the, the sins that so easily beset them? What are some of the stuff that's going on? And then come up with kind of a structure and a plan like this is what we're going to work on here, right? Here, here's what here's what we're going to work on together. Here's what I want to teach you. And I think that most people, um, they have heard from a pulpit or a Bible study, you need to have a quiet time. You need to be sharing your faith. You need to be doing all these things. No one has ever shown them how. No one has ever said, let me open up my Bible. And I'm going to show you what I do in a quiet time. And you go, oh. That's and and when, they, when they just sit, sit there with you and they watch mm-hmm. it, they go, okay, that, that's not as difficult as I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And typically they're going to say, I'm either going to copy that or I'm going to edit it a little bit, which I think is awesome, right? But mm-hmm. I think a lot of times it's you, you learn to pray by hearing other people praying and you praying yourself. You, you learn to read the Bible by reading the Bible and reading alongside someone else. And you learn how to fight against sin and, and go and, and fight for holiness and by watching people do that. So I do think it, so for sitting down with somebody, where are they? Uh, what are the things that we need to work on specifically for you for a season of time? Uh, and then just trying to invite them into life, you know, and being consistent. And so for a pastor, it may be, hey, if you're making a trip for an hour somewhere, can somebody jump in the truck with you? You know, uh, is there a situation where sometimes I'll tell a guy like, hey, I'm going to go do this. You stay on my hip, you know, and 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 I want you just to learn from this. And they would say why. And some guys that are even going to the, um, pre- prepping to go in the ministry in our church right now. Uh, they'll say, well, why do you want me to be here for this meeting or this going on at church? And I said, because I don't want the first time you're ever in a meeting to be when you're leading it like I am right now, right? Okay, like (laughs) I just, I want you to have, and so on a practical level, on a personal level, a spiritual level, just like they just need to be around. And um, 1 Corinthians 4.15 says, uh, he says, we have had countless guides in Christ, but few spiritual fathers. Wow. And and I think there's this huge thing about how many gods we have, especially we've got books, we've got podcasts, we can listen to any preacher in the world, we can read any book we want to, countless gods. But most of our spiritual journeys is we've never had a father or mother, wow. or at least an older brother or older sister say, let me show you the way how to do this. That's good. That's good. Wow. That was, that was rich. I mean, you know, when I, it's helpful for me when I'm discipling someone, I, I, I think in a three-thirds model um, mm-hmm. uh, from the Avery Willis days where you you spend some of the time where you look back on the last week. You sure. look back on the since the last time we got together, and and uh, what did God prompt you to do? Yeah. Uh, what did you read? How did you pray? Did you see answers to prayers? Mm-hmm. What's burdening you right now? Then there's this look up um, portion where we're looking at some content, whether yeah. it's how to have a quiet time, or whether it's a, a passage of scripture, or whether it's a um, uh, a way to share your faith. And yeah. then there's this look forward section where, um, what do we need to be praying about? What mm-hmm. is God prompting you to do? Where do you feel challenged and convicted on where you're supposed to be going? And that, the, the simplicity of that to be able to, to kind of look back, look up, look forward, um, is, is helpful to, to allow someone who's kind of getting started with discipling somebody sure. else to actually be able to, to do it as well. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of like one of those things where when you, when you're thinking about, um, 
teaching someone something like discipling someone else mm. or sharing your faith with someone else, uh, you give them a, a simple plan sure. to be able to say, you know what, this is what you can do. But like you said, they begin to customize it. It's kind of mm. like we wouldn't show um, somebody how to do a layup uh, based upon how LeBron James does a right. layup right now, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I ain't, gonna, I can't do that. Why? Because over the course of time, he's learned how to customize it because right. there's so many barriers in front of him. But when he first started learning, it was that mm. you know couple of steps, and then you know put your hand up and put it and bounce it off the backboard, you That's know right. that kind of deal. Yeah. So as we as we think about this, when people say you know uh, let's make disciples, and how do you do it? Um, I think one of the things is is we've got to figure out, is it working? Are we really making mm-hmm. disciples? Yep. And that is one of the, the hard kind of gut checks for pastors to kind of look back at their church and say, are there more disciples here this year than there were last year? And how do we know? So unpack that for me a little bit. Um, when, when we're trying to figure out, like, how, how's it going? Like, how are we actually doing? Are they developing? What are some markers that you might look for uh, with a with another disciple? Yes, I think as far as other markers go, I, I think that you really do have to start looking at the multiplication mindset of your church. So if it's if your church is still based on, you know, this one preacher and these ten Bible teachers and these you know Sunday school classes or whatever it is, like that's the only people who can teach God's word. There's a problem there. Um, I have a um, real concern right now with the uh, video-based Bible study curriculum stuff just because I think what's happening right now is we're just relying on all the experts from afar rather than raising up people who do have the gift of teaching within our churches and say, hey, you might not be as gifted as so-and-so that has all this polished stuff, but like you've got something that you can do. And so I think in churches we have to have permission to allow people to to do some things and maybe not do them greatly right. at first, right? Mm-hmm. So if even if you look at Jesus with the disciples, he called them um, and said, "Okay, I'm going to do this and you watch, right?" And there's and then he went to, mm-hmm. I, "I do this and you help." Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, you hand out the the food to the disciples, right? Whatever kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Then it turned to, "You do it and I'll help." I thought about the the time where. Uh, the guy said, hey, I brought my kid to you, and he was demon-possessed, and your disciples couldn't figure it out, and Jesus cleans up their mess. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, Jesus sends them out again to go and do it. He says, I, I give you an authority, go do it. And you're thinking, they're not ready, right? But I think at some point as a church, we have to be saying, next man up, next woman up. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to send you out. So for us, we are we do, um, like a few years ago, we had a goal of so many people in our church having an actual personalized discipleship plan that they were using, which is a great thing for our church and a lot of people are growing. Right now where we are is I'm asking people to prayerfully consider like how many disciples are going to be in your camp, like that you're saying I'm taking personal responsibility for this kingdom activity. That's good. And so we have a vision right now for we have a place in, in four years in our church where everyone will be discipling someone. That uh, from from every single person in our church that calls on the name of Jesus to say, I may not have it all together, but what mm-hmm. do I have and what can I share with somebody else? And so for mm-hmm. us, it's it's seeing how many people are at least saying, yes, I got this. And so we're, mm-hmm. um, you know, this man who's saying I'm I'm discipling this other guy. This mom says I'm discipling my my daughter. This person is saying I'm reaching this guy at work. Like people stepping up and saying I'm taking personal responsibility, not handing them off to you, Pastor. But no, like if nobody else is spiritualizing this person, it's me. And uh, just a way that we can pray and equip and resource and, and also just allow them to keep doing that, fan that flame. So That's great. Well, listen, your newest book, uh, Distinctive Discipleship, is fr- pretty unique in the fact that uh, it's not just a, uh, a how-to on 
you know, uh, nuts and bolts and that sort of thing. It's not just a curriculum-based sure. deal. It, this is a, more of a principle-based mm-hmm. matter. Uh, just try to unpack for us kind of the thought behind this work. Sure. So um, I told you when I first came to the church, they were like, hey, we got to teach people how to make a disciple, you know, how to disciple people. And so I had a plan that after the first year of being at the church, I was going to come up with a discipleship plan or either use a discipleship plan that could get specific with everybody. Uh, I looked at a lot of different models and there were some problems that I'd have with the models because some of them it's like, hey, you've gone through these four Bible studies and now here's your certificate of completion. You are now therefore a disciple of Jesus Christ and you don't have to do anything else. I was like, that's a problem because we change and we've got more challenges as we go. A 16-year-old is growing and a 60-year-old still needs to be growing. The other aspect was I've seen a lot of stuff that's kind of like uh, life stage of the disciples and those kind of things can be good. But I've also seen people regress through the years, what they once knew or could do. They kind of take a step back. And so uh, I struggled. So I I decided I was going to come up with like the checklist. Like if I were to say I have discipled somebody, what are those 21 things that this person needs to know, do, and then I'd feel good about it. And every time I would try to do it, uh, it just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't line up. Like I just Mm -hmm. felt like, gosh, I can't, because as soon as I make a list, somebody else is going to come you're going to come along and say, well, you forgot about this. I'm Mm -hmm. like, yeah, you're right. Um, so I was struggling because I'm like, I need to come up with a, a really simple way for us to make disciples. Uh, and I was just so happy to be preaching through Colossians at the time. The reason I wanted to preach through Colossians was chapter 1, verse 28, where Paul says we present everyone mature before Christ. So it's like this idea that one day we're going to stand before Christ and I can say to him, here are these people that came to me rough around the edges and I did everything that I could to disciple them and I present them to you, King Jesus, as mature as I could take them, right? And uh, and so like that was the whole reason I wanted to preach through Colossians. And I think all good preacher stories start with, you know, the Lord woke me up at three in the morning. Yes, or of course. But this was one of those moments, okay? Yeah. Not, but I was I was preparing the sermon early in the morning and somewhere between Colossians 1, 27 through 29, I just saw kind of like what the things that Paul was emphasizing of how what the Colossian church was doing. And I thought that's a, that's like a template almost that I could, I think we could use. And so basically in in simple terms, um, I didn't want to write a book. The only reason why I wrote the book was because pastors in the area, um, when we talked about discipleship models had asked, um, because they want some of the guys that are friends wanted to use kind of the concepts. And my whole thing was, I don't want this to turn into a program because the moment it turns into a program, it gets all kinds of legs and gets all kinds of stuff, and you can't do it unless you've been through that. I said, if you can't do it on a napkin with somebody, then it's, it's too complicated. But the whole the whole simplicity of it is Colossians 1 through 27 through 29 says that we proclaim Christ as the hope of glory, um, uh, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone complete in Christ. For this I toil, uh, struggling with all of the energy which he mightily provides within me. And in that those three verses there, uh, I just kind of like saw six kind of categories with which I do with a disciple. So the first one, Christ in you, the hope of glory, um, that there is a delight aspect to discipleship. So it's not that I have to grow in Christ, like I get to. And so I'll sit down with somebody and say, what's the greatest delight in your life? And if it's not Christ right now, how do we put him back in that seat? The second category where it says warning everyone is the disobedience aspect. And so I will typically look at someone and say, what is the besetting sin that's tripping you up right now more than anything else? And if we don't address it, it's going to take you out. And we're going to fight against that. Uh, teaching everyone with all wisdom is the issue of doctrine. I will say, instead of you becoming a Bible scholar by the time that this year is up, is there one doctrine that we need to dig into? It's the, it's the, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you, you don't understand the issue about salvation or something like that. 
Then when he says, present them complete or mature in Christ, I say that um, this is an area of development. And so we are looking at where you are positioned, where you are gifted. Is there a way that we need to help you? Are you new dad? Let's teach you in those kind of ways. You want to be a better steward of your finances. You want to share your faith better, teach better, whatever. Let me teach you. Then it says for this, I toil. That's the discipline aspect. And so and I will tell people, find one spiritual discipline that you need to work on right now. Because if you try to do all of them, you're going to get discouraged and stop. So is it Bible reading? Is it prayer? Is it fasting? Is it scripture memory? Let's focus on one for the next few months and let's dig in. And then it says struggling with all the energy which God provides in me as an issue of dependence. And that's basically like, what are we praying for in your life that only God could get the credit for? So I will sit down with somebody. I can do this with a napkin. And this is what I'm trying to teach our church to do. Take those six categories and then for six to 12 months, say, I'm with you and I'm going to help you figure out what are these things that we're going to work on. And then at the end of that time, you kind of get a new napkin. You get a new sheet of paper and say, Let, let's keep doing this because sanctification is something we're going to be involved in until the day that we die. And so mm-hmm. it's just finding a distinct, uh, distinctive discipleship plan for every single person, realizing we're all not in the same spot. And so we kind of take where people are and try to get them a little bit further down the line. DDP. DDP. Distinctive Discipleship plan. Yep. I love the customized, individualized approach mm. to that, and um, I think it's perfect. So you pick up one of these books, Distinctive Discipleship, and you can kind of get inside the uh, um, the heart and the head of, um, of Travis Agnew, and it, hopefully it'll be uh, beneficial to you uh, along the way as you disciple others. And um, and what I appreciate about Travis is he always has a um, kind of an open door for pastors who, mm. who want to uh, have a conversation to try to make themselves um, uh, better in an area if they're struggling with something. And uh, so if, if you ever want to reach out to him, easy to get in touch with him. And um, and I just appreciate your longevity in ministry here in this state and, uh, and, and just appreciate your commitment to the next generation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just call you friends. So I'm excited that. for you to be on this podcast today. Awesome. Thanks for the invite, man. Yeah, man. Well, until every life is saturated and transformed by the hope of the gospel. Advance. Thanks for listening to the Advanced Leadership Podcast from the South Carolina Baptist Convention. This South Carolina Baptist Convention podcast is made possible through the cooperative program giving of South Carolina Baptist churches. For more information, visit scbaptist.org.